You're listening to The Mixtape Project. I'm Pete. And I'm Yaka. And together we write and produce songs over at PXY Music. The Mixtape Project is where we share the music that shapes us, giving you a dose of that music-human connection we're all searching for. Hey everyone, welcome to The Mixtape Project. You're back for another themed episode this week. Uh, we've had a little bit of a gap, but not too big of a gap. Uh, we are running live now, as as Pete said on the last episode. Uh, but yeah, really excited about today. Uh, keeping on with the theme of uh, doing this podcast at unusual times. Last <laughs> time we uh, debuted it uh, on a morning, the first time ever, and now we're doing it uh, in the afternoon. So we're mixing it up, we're trying different things. How are you doing, Pete? How's your uh, week been? Battling the norovirus, which was fun. What virus was that? Nora. Noro? Not to be mistaken with the COVID. Oh yeah, other viruses are out there, apparently. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But um, no, nothing is... Well, actually, it's pretty bad. It makes you feel terrible. I felt terrible. Mm. Um... Yeah, yeah I had know, it as well, and it was, a, it was a weird one, because I messaged Pete and was like, oh, I'm, I'm quite ill. I don't know if we had something arranged, I had to cancel, but I told Pete. And then uh, I kind of recovered, and then the next day you had it as well. Well, we don't live close to each other, so, you know, I didn't give it to him. Uh, it was just blasted children, I would imagine. It's funny you say, I think we do live close to each other now, but I, I'm probably still in American mode, where a couple of hours up the road. I was going to say, it's, two, it's a two-hour drive. I mean, uh, eh, hour and a half road trip so yeah cool you've been ill yeah it's yes. nothing good i'm in that weird space where your normal routines are all off and so you're kind of do you know what i mean like because when you're sick you might wake up at like 2 a.m and you'll be just staring out the window and you get into a weird you into a weird space at least i do so i'm trying oh. to get back into normal place humphrey howling at the moon it's funny you should mention that that's uh that's going to come up in one of the choices that is interesting i have a howling reference also uh-oh are we going to shut down the mixtape are we going to yeah this the is the song? thing isn't it yeah if we, we did do say, that, i don't, I don't know if it made it to an episode but we did say if we ever make the same selection that uh, we just have to shut down the whole season that's right uh, so hey we can hope <laughs> <laughs> and that's not because i want to shut it down just because i think that'd be great anyways it was your it was your it was choice my, yeah, we were going to do an, an infinite, an infinity mixtape, uh, but last we'll minute you were like, you were like, hang on a tick, I've got an idea for a theme. So. Well, you know, when you're coming off like some sickness and we needed to get an episode out, some the infinity ones, because we don't know where they're going to go, it's a bit more of an unknown. So I kind of thought, let's, uh, I got a theme, let's go with a, a steady, steady themed episode. Nice. And I chose a theme of grit. Which is a bit weird, but I do have, like for me, I, I talk a lot. I have all these words that don't make sense to anyone except myself. And I, I there's like a, there's a certain quality. I'm trying to describe a certain quality of sound and especially recordings that I love. And I think is really hard to, yeah, encapsulate with just simple terms. But we're going to try it. And grit is one of them. Grit is something that I really value in music records mainly it's more of a vintagey thing i guess but it's definitely there's a lot of artists who i think use it in the present but um it's kind of a tone a timbre a feel a quality a texture mm-hmm. i'm gonna try and unpack that through my song choices so I, I have a big yeah big love for this gritty kind of sound and i think 
yeah, goes against some of the more cleaner production styles that we, you know, I think we're inundated with in our normal lives. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And I've heard Pete say that before when we've been making music. It's like, I don't know, it just needs like a bit more grit. And yeah, yeah. It, can, it can mean it can mean a, a few things. And I agree. A, it's, mm. Yeah, there's a tonal thing. There's a, you know, a production thing or whatever. But there's kind of some of the tracks that I've selected today kind of go into kind of the attitude of grit as well, I guess, a little bit. Um, Interesting. Which I, I guess kind of has an, an effect on the playing and therefore the, the sound. But yeah, cool. it should be interesting. All right, be I'm interesting. glad you, so we picked up on the same feel and vibe of the theme, which is a good start. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, to start us off, I think this is a track that for me is dripping in grit, <laughs> if that's a phrase. Dripping uh, in grit. It's <laughs> an album. Grit. That's an album right there. Dripping grit. It is, uh, <laughs> it's by Isaac Hayes. The song is called Hyperbolic Syllabic Sesquid Daily Mystic. Say that again. Hyperbolic Syllabic Sesquid Daily Mystic. Congratulations. Uh, I have the track. And it's out from the album Hot Buttered Soul from 1969. Yeah, so this is, um, it's got a good story, this album, actually. So Hayes has a, a 1968 solo debut presenting Isaac Hayes. But uh, it didn't do so, too well. Um, and he said, I would only record another album if I'm given complete creative control, which he was for this one. And, uh, the band playing the session is the Barkies, a famous funk group. Um, and a really interesting record, one that's noted for moving R&B away from this three minute single thing and towards something a bit more, um, eclectic and obviously this feels like a jam record there is all in the studio and i love that piano breakdown uh where you're kind of like really expectant and not much is happening and he's just taking a sweet time to build up some chords and and bluesy things and i just love that it's got a real a real vibe to it it's got a real um atmosphere and the grit well the grit for me comes from the guitars those licks and the tone I guess also the drums, that that kick and snare. The kick sounds like a cardboard box in a wonderful way. And that snare is just, I don't know how to describe it. It's just so amazing. I I get very geeked out about certain sounds, but that snare is just in your face and it just snaps and crackles and it's, it's rough. I love it. So there's a lot of grit in there for me. And obviously the voice is super smooth, which kind of makes it nice little nice little what's the term i'm looking for yaka nice balance nice balance so yeah absolutely yeah the vocals are like a real a real contrast between like the whole other rest of the sound so yeah in terms of like the grit and stuff those higher frequencies are really in your face so yeah i kind of one of my first notes i put there was the wah wah guitar that kind of fuzzy wah guitar it's really aggressive and an awesome riff but yeah, and I've put like the hat and the, sni- the snare are just kind of right right up in your face. So yeah, really, really cool. And I love when you mentioned the kick as well, the sound of the kick. But just before the uh, the girls come in and do the the line of the song, which I can't say right now, um, <laughs> there's that really cool kick pattern as well, which is really, yeah. really cool. Like, oh, it's awesome. Um, yeah, one of the first things that I thought as well when I heard it was like the meters sissy strip. I, 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 I think it's by the meters. Um mm-hmm. And that intro, it's just, I don't know, something about it that just instantly kind of reminded me of it. 
and you mentioned the keys. I thought that was like a really interesting mix choice for like the, the keys there because everything's so like aggressive right up in your face and the keys are just kind of sat in the middle and quite... They sound quite, quite distant. Yeah, this, yeah, and um, and you're right, it just kind of takes its time to build with it. Really cool. Yeah. But yeah, the contrast between those super smooth vocals and that that really, you know, gritty <laughs> um, rest Grit. of the track was, was really, really cool. But yeah, yeah, uh, awesome song. That's uh, be really interesting to see how they recorded that because uh, I mean, obviously, it was probably live, but then the vocals feel very produced, like they're very compressed. You know, there's definitely compression, but the band feel, and I think people like some listeners might not know how tracks now are so not live. You know, like they no one records live these days. You're just recording each little element on its own. In fact, people most times they're sending it across the world. Get someone in LA to record your vocals, get someone in Stockholm to record a nice piano in a church, you know, so it's so dis like connected. Mm. And here it's just a bunch of people in a room. And there's yeah, something special good, about that. It's a good observation though. It does sound like his vocals are definitely tracked separately in some way. You know, but maybe that, maybe that, maybe maybe that, yeah, maybe that is just like what we're talking about, about the difference between like that really like gritty instruments and his really smooth voice. And, you know, they did some kind of like, um, panning kind of reverb, um, techniques, didn't they? And that maybe adds to like the separation, but, um, yeah, it really works. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really different sounding record and I'm always interested in those kind of records. I tried to experiment with a lot of that stuff when I had a, I had a studio in a garage and I would like purposefully only record with one microphone, you know, so we have to set up the amps at like a certain distance away from the mic to make sure that the, you know, that not one is overpowering the other because we have no control in post to like fix it. And I kind of like bringing in those, uh, those problems because then you actually have to really listen to each other. Mm. So if I'm going to do a lick, it is going to get in the way of you if you're not paying attention. And I don't know, man, this is a theme that will come up a lot in this podcast, I think. But that's, uh, these are important musical values. It just feels so musical. Very nice. Anyway, I'll try not to preach. I'll try not to preach, preach, brother, preach. Sweet. Yeah, really, really good choice. Nice way to, to kick things off. Um, so my, uh, I'd say next choice, my first choice is... Um, track uh, by Howlin' Wolf called Howlin' For My Darling from the album Howlin' Wolf oh, from 1962. Did you Sorry, pick Howlin' Wolf? Na- I've, the next one for me is a Howlin' Wolf one, so oh. we, but it's not that one, so we've narrowly avoided. That's cool. I'm happy this happened. Let's have a listen. Okay, so uh, Howlin' Wolf, Howlin' For My Darling. So, um, Darlin, I should say. Uh, yeah, really, really cool track. Loved that. I have to say, I first heard that actually on a computer game. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'd come across like Howlin' Wolf like various times before, like looking at like BB King stuff and all this type of jazz. But, um, yeah, I was playing Watch Dogs on PS4, I think it was. And, uh, it's kind of like a, a game, kind of like Grand Theft Auto in a sense. And I jumped in the car. And then this track came on. I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Uh, but yeah, really, really cool. And in terms of the uh, the theme, grit, you know, you can just hear in this track, like it just kind of oozes with grit in the way that it was recorded, you know, probably because of like some recording limitations and stuff at the time, I guess, kind of sometimes adds and kind of forces you down like a path of grit, I feel like. But uh, it's kind of his vocal delivery, you know, just the way he sings, like he's just got all this like, 
this huge power and grit, you know, behind his voice. And I was actually, I was, um, I was googling a little bit about his, uh, his, um, his life and like growing up, and uh, I saw a comment saying, you know, his physique garnered him the nicknames Bigfoot, Chester, and Bull Cow, and uh, I don't know, I kind of like that Bull Cow. You know, you can kind of hear it in like the, <laughs> the in the power of his vocal, like. But yeah, if you see him, he's a he's a big guy, you know, and and you can kind of you can kind of imagine that when you when you uh, when you hear this track, uh, yeah. So there's there's lots I love about this, uh, but because I think you might be uh, <laughs> having a Howling Wolf track as well, I'm going to leave it there, and you know we might discuss again later. Oh, um, we could do a compare, could yeah, compare and contrast. So Pierre, there you go. Yeah, I love that. I uh, I didn't actually know that one too well um problem with a lot of blues tracks is you start to mingle them all together because they are they have a formula do. but i think uh Hall and wolf is one of my favorite um if not favorite uh, blues artists and yeah that voice is unmistakable it just just has a whole lot of life in it different era of stuff that people dealt with back then just a whole different era um but yeah i really like the horns on that one and i don't know if there's something about it, be, it being all recorded on some terrible quality mm-hmm. tape but it all make adds to the feel of this crackle and you know and that there is something that we're trying to recover in digital which digital recording which is how sound gets affected in certain ways by the medium that you record onto. So we know with tape, you get lots of kind of harmonics, saturation, these frequencies that uh, on top of the audi- auditory, you know, the ones that you can hear that lend to its tone and its, you know, sound. And there's something so sizzling about, you know, the tape and you can hit tell that's like an older analog recording and it just sounds so good, especially with those horns. They just come out so rumbly, but smooth. And we're getting a bit, it's, it's sounding a bit like a, a food show now. We're just kind of talking <laughs> about, about flavors and taste, but we're a bit, we're a bit crazy, but it's okay. I think if you heard this, you would probably agree that you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to improve the quality of this, the quality, you know, this in any way, because it adds to kind of the no, whole no. flavor to use, I guess, another foodie term, uh, to the song. So I think, you know, you listen to the podcast now, when, when you hear that track, you know, I'm sure you'll agree, you know, it's because of how it was recorded, you know, it just increases like the, the quality of the song, you know, not a quality from, a, you know, technical perspective, but just like the feel and, you know, how good it is. It's kind of amplified by those restrictions. So Very true. Amplified by well, those restrictions. That, that'll come back in later on one of my choices as well. Remember that. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah, that's kind of, that's a theme that's already appearing in some of our discussions. My choice is, my next choice is my favorite Howlin' Wolf song, Smokestack Lightning from his first album, Moanin' in the Moonlight from 1959. Such a a hypnotic track. I love that, that opening lick and uh, it just gets better and better from there. So many elements and if you listen carefully you can hear lots of background stuff like the bass is very in the background but yeah i love that love that track super hypnotic riff that just carries on feels like that could be playing till the end of time as the sun 
burns up into yes. a red flame. Oh yeah, that that needs to be floating right. around in space somewhere on, on one of those gold records orbiting Mars right now. Um, Willie Johnson on guitar, Phil deserves a, a shout out because I love that guitar part, and and yeah, lots of yeah elements in the background. The bass, if you hear carefully, doing some weird little like bee stings and plucks in the background, if you can hear that. I love all of that stuff, the layering. Not everything is hyper-compressed and in your face. There's layers to this thing. So good. Real vibe. Uh, you didn't, I don't know how much research you did, Yakov, for your your one, but like, did you, did you read a bit about Chester Arthur Burnett, aka Howlin' Wolf? Had some really cool stories. He was um, discovered by Ike Turner. Oh, wow. That, crazy? that is crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't get to that point. Just heard him performing in the 50s and brought him to Sam Phillips of Sun Records. And Phillips has a great quote. He says, God, what it would be worth on film to see the fervor in that man's face when he sang. His eyes would light up. You'd see the veins come out on his neck. And buddy, there was nothing on his mind but that song he sang with his damn soul. It's a pretty good quote. And you can hear it. You can yeah, hear yeah. it. The grit in his voice. You can. Do you want another fun fact? Yep. Burnett. I do. Please. Like attracted some of the best session musicians possible because he would pay his musicians really well. He would pay them on time, and he would even include unemployment insurance and social security contributions. A musician. Wow, that's that? crazy. You normally just get your money for the show. You don't get some kind of like... So yeah, a really cool guy, obviously. Yeah, very cool. So my next track to follow on from that is uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Pride and Joy from the album Texas Flood from 1983. So uh, yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Pride and Joy. That's like one of my favorite guitar hero songs <laughs> not guitar hero the game just guitar the guitar hero in me the 15 year old jumps out of his seat when he hears that um yeah like my god that is so amazing can't i can't say enough about this but i'm gonna try <laughs> so um in terms of grit let's get right to kind of the the theme on this like his um his tone in his guitar like is very gritty it's kind of it is gainy but it's it's very it's a clean tone and it's really overdriven and you get this like really gritty sound from that overdrive you know like you, you'll hear like modern rock or any guitar player here will, will be familiar with like distortion and if you hear a song like deep purple smoke on the water like dan 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 if you didn't know the song that's the riff um and that uses distortion you know, and you can and you can hear that. This is something different. It's basically an idea of pushing the the level of the guitar like as as far as it can go to the point where it kind of breaks through. It's kind of the principle behind it. In modern forms of overdrive, we don't actually damage any equipment while achieving it, but that's kind of the principle. It's kind of like pushing the signal as, as kind of as far as it'll go, and you get this really gritty kind of sound, and it's just awesome. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan here kind of does like a, a shuffle. It's, it's, a, it's a blues song, but he kind of does like a shuffle like uh, type approach to the riff. And uh, in that approach, he's like he's scratching a lot of the strings with his pick, and it just adds to this kind of kind of like uh, sound. 
I made that sound like any guitar player would. Frunga, frunga. Um, but yeah, like, you know, so when I hear this, like, it's just, it is super great. Like, and it's really interesting because the backing band, like, obviously from our last picks with Howlin' Wolf, you can hear here, obviously it's like what, 20 years later. So you can hear the quality is obviously, you know, really, really improved. And, you know, the bass and the drums have just kind of got this like steady sound and beat going behind. And the guitar is what's carrying all the grip. I'm going to step away from that because I will talk about that forever. But yeah, a little bit of history on Stevie. Uh, grew up in Texas, and moved to Austin. He was inspired by two Jimmys. One of them was his brother, uh, Jimmy Vaughn. The other, Jimi Hendrix, you, you, you possibly hmm. might hear. Uh, Hendrix. Very similar in that kind of overdrive tone as well. Um, but yeah, you know, Steve Ray Vaughan, unfortunately, like died really, really young. I think I think he was 35, I think he was. Um, and he was doing like an outdoor gig. Eric Clapton was there. Uh, his brother was there. Buddy Guy was there. And they, uh, a few of them flew away in helicopters uh, after the gig. And Stevie's crashed and he died. Uh, really young, but... Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, cite him as, you know, really influential in, in the guitar playing. And, you know, Clapton kind of describes that. Now, I've actually got a quote here. He says, uh, the worst thing for me is that Stevie had been sober for three years and he was at his peak. And when we played that night, he had all of us standing with our jaws dropped. Robert Cray, Jimmy Vaughan, Buddy Guy, we were all watching in total awe. And there was no one better than him on this planet. Really unbelievable, Clapton said. Now, he couldn't be that gracious to Jimi Hendrix. In fact, he had like a bit of rivalry with him in a sense. But with Stevie, I think he was just, they were pretty close. Um, but yeah, mm. I'm going to stop talking because I can't even uh, construct my thoughts because I love that song so much. I love it. Yeah, interesting stories. I love hearing about some of the background there. Um, really cool track. I um, I know this album a little, I think, but I don't know it probably as well as I should, obviously the guy can play goes without saying the yeah, uh, the yeah. back the backing is a little clean for me feels a little preppy but um the guitar tone is is uh it's ridiculous that is yeah really gritty i love i don't really play guitar but um i've always been fascinated by the tones you can get out of the guitar and it's just like obviously gearheads get into their element talking about this stuff but there is something so cool about you know being able to pick out a riff like even then you know you just said oh the you know smoke on the water riff and you just and i immediately just hear it you know and you hear the tone and the, it's funny how we're so you know we're so tuned in to the the sounds and um the tones that we produce so yeah really cool track not much to say about it really it kind of just does its thing like it's not it's not you know you know there's not too many layers to have to to get through because it just presents it all and actually that goes for a lot of the tracks i think we've we've played but very cool very nice yeah there's a there's a there's a um a vocal line in there which is yeah i love my Lene. she long and lean you mess with her you'll see a man get mean <laughs> i love it <laughs> uh, oh it's worth shouting out if you're spotifying that or you're googling or youtubing it like it kind of comes up as double trouble as well because that was his his band uh, in austin but um and that's it's usually presented Stevie Ray Vaughan with Double Trouble or Double Trouble. So if you see Double Trouble, don't get confused. I'll say Double Trouble one more time because it, <laughs> it rolls off the tongue quite well. Cool. Okay. Uh, my next choice, 
to follow that is a track called Down on the Street by the Stooges from their album Funhouse from 1970. Some raw rock for your ears. The story behind this album was it's their second and I don't think the first had gone particularly amazing with the public. So they have some recording time booked in in Los Angeles at the Electrosound Recorders studio and they go in, they record and they hate how it sounds because it's all LA style. They get the baffles in which isolates the instruments. They all use headphones and they put the vocalist in a separate room with a, a nice, a more sensitive microphone than what they'd use on tour. And they didn't like it, so they apparently stripped out, famously stripped the whole studio of all of its fancy studio soundproofing stuff and just set up in a very uh, live feel, putting everything next to each other, which is not what you do normally because you don't want to get bleeding, it's called. You don't want to have the vocalist bleeding into the drum microphone or the bassist amp going into the guitar amp. You want it nice and separate so you can control it later in the mix. But they did not do that for this album. And you can hear it. It sounds so raw. It sounds just like, ah, again, dripping in that grit. (laughs) That's the phrase for the day. So it just sounds so (laughs) raw. And and there's something about the energy of the whole band just gets transmitted to the the record. And I didn't realize this when I compiled my my, uh, selection. I just did it off what sounded good to my ears. But there's this weird thread where... A lot of them have been influenced by Howlin' Wolf because Iggy Pop, the lead singer, yeah. he's got this great quote where he says, you know, I was basically trying to be Howlin' Wolf on this record. What's the quote? He was really pertinent for me on Funhouse. That stuff is wolfy, at least as I could do it. So he's trying to <laughs> add some of these elements. And even the echo, the reverb, that sometimes on some of his stuff, it almost sounds like um, the Smokestack Lightning song that we play there. Yeah. And, and and the breakdown um, when he goes into mm. his higher register. That, cool. yeah. Trying to kind of do that like thing. He called it, really yeah. Cool. And the guitar, and the guitar as well. There's the, there's the like chuggy like dum 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 That second bit, that really like bluesy mm-hmm. second bit kind of reminds me of like the, the Howling Wolf stuff. And it's that kind of riff on repeat, right? Yeah, like very we're hypnotic. talking about like moving through the cosmos here. Yeah. I love it. I love that track so much. Another person who loved it was uh, Henry Rollins of Black Flag, a really influential punk group. And um, I love some of his quotes about this record. It's like his favorite album, this one. And he he says, for a band who people said, oh, they can't play, I don't think you could put them in a different band, but I think they could play Stooges music really well. (laughs) That's one of his quotes. And uh, he has advice (laughs) for people, and I love this advice. He's like... um, when he says the bands write to him every now and then and they're like, hey man, what do we do? And I've always, I always do the same thing. I go, son, what do you do? Have fun, just have fun. Because statistically, it's probably not going to be Wembley and 30,000 sweaty fans. So make sure to have fun and try and get within a million miles of this. And I just send them down on the street. I go, youngster, this is a perfect <laughs> song, played perfectly. And the band, it took them an hour to hit it and they hit it and they quit it. That was the last take. That was the last take of the work for the day. Try it. Try doing anything that that well. Just try. Like washing your hair that well. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, so much I love about that track. 
and I don't really want to pick it apart too much because you know you just got to listen to it and enjoy it. But lots of energy, hit it and quit it. Very cool. And yeah, the, the you know kind of talked about some of the things that I was already going to speak about. Like the you know kind of reminds me of the Howling Wolf track um, we listened to and those upper you know um, upper registry vocal bits that you know kind of like a throwback. Um, but yeah, I mean you can hear it. This this song's like recorded mm. so well never to be replicated probably even like by the same band in the same they could come back the next day and maybe not replicate this like it's oh so it's really interesting they released the funhouse sessions and there's like all the takes that they did and they all sound completely different so you can uh, find cool. out for yourself yeah there you go that's cool yeah it's and it sounds so good and i, I love that story about just you know taking the studio apart and and coming in and doing that um in its kind of rawest form, you know, this is something like a lot of musicians talk about and dream about and want to do, want to aspire to be, you know, want to aspire to kind of have the balls to be like, okay, let's just make this really yeah. raw. But then when it comes to crunch time, it's like, you can't do it or you don't want to do it. You know, it's like, okay, no, give me the control. You know, we, we, we like control. So when anyone manages to do something like this, like, I think you got kind of as a musician, no matter what musician you are, you kind of got to tip your hat to it. It's like, okay, what you know, you did yeah. it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well done. Like, um, because it would be great uh, to do this, but you need, you know, there's something to be said about all the ingredients. You know, have to all be there. Like me and Pete have spoken about this before. We've done music with other people, and um, you know, different musicians to us, different styles, different abilities and stuff. And uh, you know, you you can't really put. You, can, you sometimes you can't kind of pinpoint why something's going to work or what combination of musicians are going to work or combination of equipment or the room or what microphones you've got like sometimes you just kind of hit on something yeah. you know with the people and and what you're doing and you kind of feel like that when you listen to this and but yeah really really cool and and final bit like that the riff the guitar riff like it's kind of like it's kind of like metally it's like dum 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 Dum, dum, dum. there's like really <laughs> chunky uh, riff oh and then there's like another guitar thing that comes in in like the right yeah. ear and oh it's so good and it's kind of got like a push effect the whole song like very cool very heavy and yeah very cool love it good choice man sweet okay so i i'm kind of going to take it away a little bit now i feel like we've kind of been living in, in the blues bit and and that's been cool and yeah i just i just started trying to think down a, a a different path you know about kind of more towards attitude and how people you know approach um music in general so i came up with uh, a song by the stranglers um called down in the sewer which i thought was a funny little reference to down on the street now we're taking it into the sewer um from the album ratus norvegicus in 1977 okay so yeah i picked that song you know i said at the beginning that actually you know i decided taking a slightly different direction i guess i had a kind of a, a different idea about the song but actually listening to it there's a lot of blues stuff in there there's some like uh, bluesy kind of guitar bends like as the organ's doing it solo so maybe like a little bit more of a connection than i might have uh, anticipated but yeah i just love this song and thinking of like the the theme grit like you know the, there's a they're a punk pub band from Surrey, you know, it's like how, how, uh, how they, you know, started up just playing pubs and kind of get, getting a following. And then eventually they kind of move into, you know, I guess like a new wave type sound. And, um, 
but the kind of approach to music is just kind of like I love the fact it's kind of really no nonsense and that all that kind of punk attitude that I love mixed in with like all this musicality and and I just love that like combination because this is it's really really good music you know this isn't just like three chords of the passion out you know so um and I really love that the uh the two vibes to to this well to the band but to this song particularly um the bass it's got like a fuzz kind of bass sound that kind of feels really gritty um uh, but the vocal the attitude in, in the vocals um i just absolutely love and i used to listen to this as a kid and uh, when he would imitate the the rat noises with his teeth he would like they got sharp teeth and it go and i would i'd would freak out i'd hate that sound <laughs> that's really weird uh, <laughs> keep, keep yeah. It um, so yeah when as a kid when I'd hear um, the vocalist imitate the rat noises and it'd go like you know they got sharp teeth and it'd like do all the clicking sounds like it, it always used to like freak me out um, but yeah the vocalist attitude in this song is like really gritty as well and I love it like I feel like the Stranglers and uh, isn't really a band that I should uh, analyse as much as I am <laughs> They'd probably hate that, but um, I absolutely love it. And uh, shout out to my dad for playing this all the time as a as a snapper. Uh, standout vocal parts. Uh, I know what I'm going to do. Make love to a water rat or two, <laughs> and start a family. We'll be called the Survivors. You know why? Because we're going to survive. <laughs> love it, Pete. That was a mental song. It felt like it felt like. Um like a mad fun fair subterranean <laughs> it was crazy um man so many things to pick out i love that they just gave the keyboard player a solo every kind of roughly a third into each into each section hey you go find another one of those synthesizers and do your thing um yeah so much fun dev greenfield who's like I, yeah, yeah it's it, He's uh, he died, I think, last year from COVID. Yeah, he did. Uh, and they were took. He was the Stranglers have gone through quite a few different um, members and stuff, but I think he was there right through from, um, you know, when they started off in the in the seventies, right through to still touring in twenty nineteen and stuff. So shout out, but yeah, I mean, he's got some amazing amazing keys bits uh, throughout all all their back catalogue. Um, but yeah, shout out. Yeah. He's, I mean, amazing. I love some of those, especially the organ runs. Really, like, great stuff. Such, such of its era, and so still so great. I love it. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I can hear the grit for sure. It's still there. It's running through. And yeah, I don't think it has to yeah. be. You make a good point. It doesn't have to be bluesy. I think it definitely has a lot in the blues. Maybe began there. We're making things up, mm-hmm. like the way all of this is made up. But we want to forgive it we'll give it a history one day we'll give it an official history an official history of grit but i like the yeah you're showing how it can be used in other other places and again you still there's so many analog all of those synthesizers are analog so they've got these overtones and these buzzing and this stuff that just yeah i just love it add mm. so much add so much to the song yeah you're probably familiar with uh if you haven't heard the stranglers before you've probably heard peaches you know, walking on the beaches, looking at the peaches, and Golden Brown. I think they're like the two. Big oh yeah, so yeah. If you're not sure who we're talking about, maybe you will now. Check know. out some of their back catalogue. Okay, 
going to go for a nice, we, I played a, a 10 minute at the beginning, but I'm going to go nice and short for this one. My next choice is a song called Attitude by a band called Bad Brains from their, their album Bad Brains. From their 1982 album, self-titled. I'm not always a big fan of these types of songs or this type of music, but the tones are just spot on on this one. It's just like perfect and... I love the the vocals and it just like just hits you and it leaves you. It hits <laughs> it and quits. A bit like that last one I chose. So I'm a big fan of that. Um Bad Brains are quite a cult band, I feel now. They've got a cult following. Um this album, if you check out some of the other, there's a really interesting like blending of, of reggae and punk going on in this album, which I think is really cool. Um yeah, a DC-based band who, <laughs> who got banned from all of the Washington uh, DC clubs because their fans were deemed too violent. So they moved to New York City in in uh, the beginning of the 80s, I think. And uh, this is where this album comes out of during that time. Uh, there's not much to say. It's got grit. <laughs> yeah. I think you can hear that. What do you think? Yeah, <laughs> not much to say. It's got grit. No, no, it's uh, man. It's just a, it's just a sledgehammer, isn't it? I love as well, like how it just it it hits it hits a note. I'm not talking about like, a, you know, a note on an instrument, but it hits a point and it just keeps hitting it. It's like no, no, we're not quitting. Here it is. Like we found yeah, the one yeah. button and we're gonna keep pressing it. Like and um, I love like how high the bass is up in that mix. Like it's it's so good. And actually, like right towards the end, I think the bass comes out or something comes out. I couldn't quite figure out what it was. Um, and the guitar's still going. And it's just, it's the only different bit mm-hmm. in the song, pretty much. Like, And it just clears up for that brief second and then comes straight back in, like super powerful. Absolutely love it. Um, yeah, so much power, so much attitude. Like, it's mint. It's absolutely mint. Like, man, I was, I was, um, I was almost picked a kick out the jams by MC5. Like, and... Oh, that, that would song. have been a really good follow-up for that. Um, but yeah, so this just, man, what can you say? It is what it is. Like, you know, we were talking about some of our other choices just kind of been right up in your face and, you know, this is what it is. I mean, it doesn't get much more up in your face and, and you know, clear of its intent than, than that right there. So it kind of sums up the whole album that track for me and it was it's my favorite one off the album and it's only one minute long so i kind of yeah i, I mean that's, that's one <laughs> award for this we'll give out some awards uh in this season and you've just got shortest track i think i've got longest track with black star so far but we'll uh that was pretty long i love, oh, i've been good. listening to that this week that was great. Uh, yeah very very cool choice nice nice choice okay i'm gonna take it modern you know i'm gonna go to 2014 which, you know, I guess isn't all that modern, mm. <laughs> but uh, it is for this podcast. And, you know, in some of the earlier seasons we've talked, uh, I think, sorry, some of the uh, other episodes we've talked about um, the raconteurs, we've talked about Jack White and stuff. And when you brought up a grit, I was like, oh, I'm going to bring up, bring in some Jack White. So this is Jack White, the track Lazaretto from the album Lazaretto uh, from 2014. Okay, so there we have it. That was... Uh, Jack White in his second solo album. So yeah, I uh, I got a couple of reasons for picking Jack for this topic. Um, 
but he kind of he he's kind of my go-to guy for grit you know i love the white stripes i love the raconteurs and i love his studio um his solo stuff and his whole approach to music is just is really great like he he has this kind of gritty approach to everything he does he, he doesn't want things to be perfect he's always trying to kind of stay away from that he always confines himself with like like in the white stripes they have this kind of fascination with like threes like we'll only use three colors three instruments and you know they would try and do this a lot when they were live like um but yeah he finds a lot of um he finds that he works best like when he's contained when he doesn't have access to lots of technology lots of different instruments many many guitars um with an album he usually picks one amp and one guitar and and, then does it which you know that might sound kind of normal to to people out there but it's it's not normal (laughs) um you know, these big rock bands, big rock artists and stuff have access to many, many of their own instruments and many instruments in the studio, different amps and anything they can imagine. But yeah, Jack manages to do so much with so little, um, which is something that I've said a few times um, about like rap and stuff, hmm. which kind of brings me on to another point in this. Like, I think the way he approaches like the melodies in this, there's something kind of like, it's kind of rapping in a sense, you know? Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he just melds lots of styles. Like there's rock here, there's country with like yeah. some violin bits and like just his approach, his, his attack and approach to the melody that he's put together. Like it sounds kind of like rap to me, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was inspired, inspired in some way. Um, but yeah, and finally, like I think like the tonal choices of like the uh, the keys and his guitar they always carry with it this type of grit. And you kind of touched on the point earlier, Pete, when we listened to the Stranglish track about with those synthesizers and stuff, you know, you can put those kind of buzzy sounds along with it that kind of add to it. And final point is his uh, guitar solos, which he uh, he has this really cool style and technique. He uses like Digitech Whammy pedals, which kind of add octaves to the sound of the guitar and like a big muff pedal, which is like a fuzzy type sound. But he has this like really unique way of playing um, that you can't replicate it with gear. Like he's just got a really, really unique way of playing. A really, he really attacks his instrument, and you can kind of hear that in that guitar solo as well. So there we go. That's that's all yeah, my very points. cool. Good choice. I mean that when that bass riff hits you at the beginning, and it's I love the fuzz and the tremolo or whatever's going on. It just in the different ears. It's amazing. And I love, um, I think a lot of what I've noticed about this grit thing is so much of it is like just having a riff that's just got a great tone, you know? (laughs) You know, you're exactly right. Like, I didn't think about the riff in that. I didn't think about the riff in the Stranglers song. Yeah. But uh, I picked them for different reasons. But yeah, you're right. Like, below them, there's these riffs. Load them up and let them go. And uh, the song is so delightful about that. And as you, yeah, definitely a lot of rap influence, I would say, uh, in the delivery of the vocals um yeah and, it, and i think that's it isn't it like grit is kind of homemade it's kind of and i think that there's a there's a paradox there's a tension between you know the 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 polished product and the grit and i think a lot of people as you were saying they really want that they know they need something gritty in their stuff but it's very hard to balance when you're feeling the pressure to also give such a polished product at the end of it and um i think a lot did you can't really 
you can't really manufacture it either, can you? Because it's like you've either got it, you haven't got well, it. Well, yeah, we're not going to ask you know a pop star to do this, like because that's not what they're. The grit isn't worth it. No, they'll just get naked. <laughs> idea of grit. <laughs> yep, and they're, and they're, and it won't be gritty. <laughs> in their nakedness it won't be gritty it'll be airbrushed it'll be beautiful um yeah yeah i mean i could no stretch marks on those artists no 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 that's that kendrick lamar video yeah i mean we could probably philosophize about this concept but i'm glad that it's caused a discussion thanks for listening to this episode of the mixtape project check out the show notes for each episode at pxymusic.com where you can also find the music that made it into this mixtape and if you enjoyed this podcast please help spread the word subscribe tell a friend we'll see you next time